1: fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Loaf Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me,
0: Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a
2: good shot! Oh goodness, goal!
1: I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it, it's Cradwell! <laughs>
2: How's it going,
0: Yeah I'm very very good thank you and thank you for agreeing to take part in this podcast. No worries. Cool I mean firstly say I hope you and your family are all well during all of this I hope it hasn't sort of made you go crazy or anything during this time.
2: No nah, not just as of yet and it's been a good what eight weeks now so but us be honest just um doing a bit of running and going doing a bit of running doing a bit of gym keeping me Active throughout the days, what's kept me pretty much sane? <laughs> Yourself? <laughs>
0: um, well, not so much running. I've, I I do like ten k every day, walking and jogging. So I get up at like six, get that out of the way, and then the rest of the day is work from home. Wow. So so it's you know more than I've ever done. I I'm one of the few people that has lost weight during this than uh, then, then put it on, luckily. We always get these questions like, so what, so what have you been doing to look after yourself? Because obviously your regime has gone from, you might go back to training in May to now it's over, even, yeah. th- even though it's not been ru- rubber stamped. How, how, how hard was it to sort of keep yourself on call for the season to restart, even though it did seem unlikely for so long?
2: Just, uh, we had like a little group chat with a few of the boys. Uh, we, had, we were all in like different groups kind of thing, sending in their daily stuff. So I think from seeing everyone else doing it and just keeping up and being prepared to come back if we were to be, um, just kept me going as well kind of thing. Um, I was hoping for it all to start back again, say May time. So obviously, wanted to come back right and fit and ready to go if, if we were to finish the season. So I think just the motivation that everyone put in as a group just kept everyone else going as well
0: yeah I mean the the attitude of maybe the the boardroom might be a bit different but what has been consistent is that Swindon the players and coaching staff they didn't want to end the season as default champions we wanted yeah. to end the season as 46 games play champions and I think that that's been the running theme unlike you know again finances and things like that might have dictated what we vote but it was it was nice to know that swindon were ready for the call if it, if it came
2: yeah i think uh probably everyone in the squad would have wanted to finish the season because like you said it's not it's not the same as going up as champions of on un- however many points played all 46 games so it's obviously a bit frustrating but there's only so much we can do now, which is literally prepare for League One and be happy that obviously we, we have been promoted and we haven't. they haven't just said, OK, if that's the league and it's going to be finished, then we'll just leave it as that is. And there is no promotion kind of thing. So yeah, at least we're getting the promotion at the end of it.
0: Yeah, at the time of recording, it still hasn't been rubber-stamped. We're not expecting that until early June and it's currently late May. And until it's rubber-stamped, I'm not relaxing.
2: To be honest, I haven't really thought about it too much about the being champion stuff yet either because like you said it has been a bit like down like dumbed down kind of thing like instead of like even know it thinking like, oh yeah we're going to be champions like you said until it's fully in motion then it won't really sink in kind of thing
0: yeah well James Bleach asks what's been your favourite thing to do during the lockdown most of the time I ask what you've been watching on Netflix or their equivalents what, yeah. what have you been up to
2: well, for the last month, I've been fasting, so it's um it's been Ramadan, so I've been fasting. So I've literally for about two weeks of that, I was still continuing to do running and doing gym, but um, with the heat, the last two weeks, I have literally just been in my house playing PS4, doing absolutely nothing, and that's get got me by each day. To be fair, <laughs> but, um, yeah, prior to that, again, like it was literally I wasn't I, my whole time in quarantine has been. Go for a run, take the dog for a walk, go to the shop, come back, spend time with my partner. I've played a bit of cards. I've taught her how to play poker and blackjack and all the games that I tend to would have played like on the coach with the boys. And like um, yeah, we've watched a few Netflix series together and just got through a few of them. So there is only so much I have been doing. I've been wanting to take up um, learning trades. So I had a phone call with one of my mates last week. And I'm going to use a bit of time now to try and get into that and learn about that. So, see how that goes, see how long that lasts, should I say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what have you been watching on the old Netflix? Uh, Well, I was watching some,
2: it was a Spanish show, El Final. Mm -hmm. um, It's like Cartel. My partner introduced me to it. So, yeah, I was watching that with her. And then... um, well, else? Bloody else? got me watching Gossip Girl at the moment, which is actually it's pretty decent.
0: <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy. I've asked this question to most of the squad, and it, it it's at least they're two different titles, so that gives me that gives me new content. So I'm grateful yeah. for it. <laughs> okay, let's this, this move towards the football and the early days of Keshi Anderson playing the game. So, first of all, who did you support when you were a kid, and who were your childhood heroes? Um,
2: I support Arsenal really based on my older brother. And childhood heroes. In football, I'd definitely say Omri. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, he was phenomenal as a player. Some of the things that he could do. I remember most of the time it was from that Joe Bodina stuff that I'd always watched of his and thought he's not just this goal scorer. Like, he's got that beautiful side to the game as well, where he can do things with a ball that other people can't. And um, obviously, Ronaldinho, another like, magician with a ball. He was... unplayable for a good two, two, three years of his Barcelona career. Yeah. Definitely like the best in the world.
0: Yeah. What we saw, because I'm a bit older than you, is that transition of what he was able to do because it was a sort, it felt like a slowish start and then he really did kick on and become, well, you know, just one of the best players English football has seen.
2: Yeah, 100%. Out and out striker, probably till this day, still the best one to play in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, he had that sort of charisma, which just makes it all the more enjoyable as well, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: of course. Hello, I'm Steven Bender and you listen to the Loaf Stranger Podcast.
0: What are your memories early on of playing football? Was it were you a part of a club or did you just play um, down the park with your mates?
2: Yeah, so literally from a kid I'd say there was a park about five minutes from my house that we'd always go to. Um, if we wasn't playing up on the estate, uh, say it was summertime or whatnot. And the games used to literally consist of about 50 kids, 60 kids. So it was literally a goal at one end and a goal at the other. And you can use as much as the park that you want to as the pitch. And it would be about 30 against 30. So dribbling and beating players had to be a thing that you were good at from probably the age of five or six. (laughs) (laughs) We're having a bit of pace as well, so to get away from the trail of kids. I only started playing for a team when I was 11, so I I actually joined a team quite late. Mm. Uh, That was just a local Sunday League team, which uh, a lot of my friends played for at the time. Um, And then from there, I was at Watford from 13. So... I remember I got scouted when I was under-12s or so and then ended up going to Watford, so, which was my first taste of academy football.
0: So just the one year in the junior game before the scouts sort of circled and and, yeah. fa- and found you. Which What was the name of the junior team? Uh, Barnfield Colts. Lovely. So Barnfield Colts, Did they were they particularly influential or were they just like a stepping stone, so to speak? I know this is kids level, so we're just no, playing yeah. for fun for mostly, but were they... Matthew they Massive. big yeah yeah
2: like um so when i joined um obviously the team used to go into like loads of like um summer tournaments yeah i remember i joined in like the summer and we had all these like summer tournaments that we went to and we probably won about 85 percent of them like so i'd always come in like with all these trophies every other weekend just, like to, to my mum's house and then like the manager himself kev king he um he's been massively influential to me, like just like from when I've known him as a kid, like from eleven, like when I went to Watford, him as my manager, he was also like like family, like he take me to Watford training, he'll come to games and like he supported me all throughout my career even till now, like nice. so going to Barnfield Colts as at an under eleven, like just the influence that my manager had on me through my life. It's massively influ- influential to that me and towards football.
0: Yeah, and I, I imagine that creates a sort of consistency over your career, both in advice and on the field as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course, massively.
0: Yeah, and were you a forward at this stage, or were you playing across the across the pitch? No,
2: I was a centre mid. I've I've I played as a centre midfielder when I was a kid, purely based on I just wanted the ball all the time, <laughs> so <laughs> it was the best way to do it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I played centre-mid for two years. I think both years, finished top goal scorer. So I was thought, oh, I think that's why when Watford came in, they put me on the wing. That and because I was too small to play anywhere else.
0: Oh, there's there's that phrase, too small. (laughs) It's always too small, isn't it?
2: That's what they said to me. I didn't believe them at the time, but... I still don't know.
0: It just seems, and Watford aren't the only, Southampton always do it as well, when I've spoke to people on this pod and when you read up on the careers of footballers, the amount of good footballers that have had the first obstacle based on height, it just seems it seems a bit of a cop- cop-out to me.
2: Yeah,
0: I remember being tiny until I was about 17. <laughs> <laughs> I was
2: tiny, so it was always like... I wouldn't even say it was an obstacle that, that massively like, depleted me because I never once got, like, didn't get a contract because of being too small, being offered the opportunity to, like, trial and stuff for being too small. Yeah, I, I, I think my ability overshone that, so it wasn't too bad. I never really had the, oh, we're not going to sign you because you're too small kind of thing.
0: No.
2: I did get shoved on the wing for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are worse things to happen, aren't there? So, yeah. 12 years old. Move to Watford, your first taste of the academy system. So what was that experience like early on for you, sort of going into from the Sunday circuit with, you know, a coach that you trust to these sort of full time football coaches who, you know, you put so much trust into in the hope that they develop your career?
2: Um, yeah, it was it was it was crazy coming from just like going to school and being with my friends all the time to going and literally being a well, it would be work kind of thing. So my week consisted of waking up at half five to get picked up to go to school, where my first thing I would do in the morning would be a two-hour training session. Then I would go to lessons, um, finish the rest of the school day, have an extra two-hour period lesson to catch up for the lesson I missed in the morning, and then train again. Mm. So I wouldn't get home until eight o'clock at night. From being up at half five in the morning just to get to school, it was very crazy. But like this, the amount of football I played in those two and a half years I was at Watford, I was training Monday twice, Tuesday twice, Wednesday once in the afternoon, Thursday twice, and once Friday in the morning, and I'd have a game on the weekend. So the amount of football and training I was getting in, like my friends used to say, like, "Oh, you're like a robot when it comes to like me <laughs> playing with them." They'd be like, "Like everything's so focused, everything's so like." like educated, like for them everything was just raw still. So i kind of developed that, like just um touching up on like my rawness kind of thing, whereas all my friends were still quite raw in their ability.
0: What was school's approach to your sort of sort of development and focus towards football? Were they accommodating towards that? Yeah, massively,
2: but it also applied to a lot of pressure. Yeah. So it was like I was thirteen in school wanting to enjoy myself and football. And it was like you can't do this and you can't do that because you're a role model to the other kids in the school and you have this responsibility on your back of, like, obviously being this kind of professional footballer. Mostly in my head, I, I used to think I'm, I'm 13, like,
0: yeah.
2: where I'm putting so much pressure on me, I just want to have fun, like, with my friends. Eventually the fun started to come out of the training and stuff because even down to the point of, like, me as a player and the player that I was, I was always about dribbling and beating players and taking people on, whereas they told me to nullify my game to two skills and master the first one and then use the second one as your backup. And I was thinking, I don't want to just master two skills. Like, I like to do stepovers and run and dribble and everything that I could to, to, to just entertain like myself and have as much fun as possible. And they kind of, like, dragged that away. So... It was a bit frustrating.
0: Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? And it, and and the thing what you've just said there throughout that it just highlights one the sort of sacrifices that kids have to make in order to try and make it into the game and you know as we'll talk about in just a minute, you know your your career pro- progression wasn't, you know, seamless. There was there was a dip and then and and then a rise again. And also like that, that pressure as well of just being 13 years old and and having like kids that are a bit younger looking up to you and you can also see why so many players drop out of the game maybe at youth level before under 18s because just when it takes away the fun what's the point some people would say wouldn't they yeah massively like I, I i left
2: i left um but well, when i got i got released by Watford just under just for under 16 i think it was i had a chance to go to Luton And it was either go to Luton or go back to Barnfield, who had actually referred over to Barton Rovers. So they changed from being just a Sunday league team. They went and became the under-16 team for a semi-pro team. So I had the chance to go Luton. And I just thought, you know, I don't want to be in another academy where I'm playing football and not enjoying it. So I chose to just go and play with my friends.
0: That's a huge decision as well, isn't it? Because, you know, that I would say the overwhelming majority of people that make that decision get a job. Go to university, whatever, and then football becomes just a side project. But it turned out very well for you. So, in between, so from leaving Watford and then starting to play senior football, it was all with the Barton Rovers affiliation. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, and and is this where you start moving towards centre forward? Are you still on the wings at this stage? No.
2: As soon as I came left Watford, I went back. I I, that's when I first became a ten me and obviously all my friends, I came back under sixteens and uh one of my close friends, Mammoth, he was the striker for the team. And we were they obviously played like a four three three slash four two three one. So two holding midfielders, the ten and then wingers and then a striker. So I said, okay, if Mammoth wants to be up front, I'll just play behind him kind of thing. Because uh, we never really played with two up front. So that's how I just started playing as a 10. And then, um, yeah, from there, I stayed there until I moved into the first team with Barton. So I played under-16, under-17 with Barton. When I got to under-18, I played a few like reserve games and stuff. For, like the men's team, they were obviously like, looking to see who they could bring into the first team kind of thing. Also, so I played in a few finals in that, that year for the reserves. And then by the time obviously, I turned 18, I moved into the first team. I think I only played... 13 games that season purely because um like throughout the season like, i was going to games and just being on the bench and not playing so like the one week i like, wouldn't go training so I'm, like, I'm not going training like they're not going to play me, i'm not going i had like a year where i was like in and out of the squad kind of thing and not going to training and that was like my first year in senior football i was just like oh this is jarring i'm better than all these players and i'm on the bench that was that was literally my thought process so uh, that's why I wouldn't go to training and stuff. I was thinking, I'm not like, it's like embarrassing for me. And then also, like, my boys who were playing in the team were like, nah, like, just stick it out, stick it out. Like, you know, you should be playing, we know, but the managers, like, they'll, they'll see kind of thing. I ended up finishing that season as a top goal scorer, I only played 13 games.
0: We've all played with kids that have been on the bench and thought that they were better than the starting 11 We've all, we've all thought that some have been correct and some haven't been correct. Yeah. When, you're, when you're progressing there, Barton Rovers, for you yourself, your mentality beyond considering yourself better than them, were you there to climb up the divisions or were you there for playing for fun but to be the best for that team? What was your mindset? Were you, were you thinking that a pro career was still on?
2: Yeah, 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 like when I was going through college, everyone, like a few of my friends, like they'll start getting jobs and stuff. And like, I go to their parents, like, go to their family home, and they'll be like, Oh, what are you doing? Like, then like, oh, I start like just playing football. And they're like, Oh, do you not think you need to get a job in that? And I was like, Nah, like, as long as I'm training and I'm working on myself, I know I'm going to make it, kind of thing. That was the only mentality I had. Like, I always knew as much as I gave, like, if I'm sticking to it, I know I'll get that chance again. Yeah. Because I had the chance when I left Watford to go back to Luton and I thought, you know what? Let me enjoy football. I enjoyed my time. I was ready. When, it got, when I got to 18, 19, I thought, yeah, I'm ready to, like, I say 18, 19. When I got to 19 was when I realised, I said, no, nah, like, if I, I had a good season last year, like, finishing 13 games, 13 goals, top goals for that, and they know how important I am to them now. So if I do what I need to do this year, I can end this season, and I'm like, if you're 19 and you're playing in the league, no matter, like it's it was, it was semi professional league, and you're scoring 30 goals, like someone's gonna someone's gonna look at you, kind of thing. So that was my mentality. I had a I had a podcast meeting with one of my friends the other day, and um, he was like, I remember that season when you came, and you was like, yeah, I want to score like 40 goals, and I was like, <laughs> for me, like you're setting goals. That for me, I was like, I'm tw- I think he was like 25, 26 at the time, and he's like. He's like, I'm setting goals to like fifteen, twenty, and you, your your mindset's like forty. I was like, yeah, like that's basically based on last season, like where I know like I'm scoring a goal a game, kind of thing. There's forty six games, there's cup games, as so we're gonna play about fifty five, sixty games. I want forty goals. That's my aim. So I was very driven on achieving what I thought possible, and in in at that time in them leagues, I actually thought that was possible. I thought. I think that season when I when I signed, I'd had 26 goals in, I think it was like 34, 35 games or something.
0: Yeah, and you're playing in the Southern League Division 1 Central, which I think is the eighth tier. I mean, I was talking to another ex-Swindon player, Jarrell Eiffel, and he went into non-league at the end of his career, and he was saying that it's a hectic lifestyle. It is quite a balance, isn't it? Yeah, it was just...
2: To be fair, you know you've got your football on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. That's like the the semi-pro rota. So Mondays, I knew it was just college. Tuesdays, I have training or a game with obviously Barton. Wednesdays, like some days i would have a double, double, like two games in a row. I'll play on a Tuesday with Barton and then I'll have a Wednesday game at college. So like literally football was my schedule, like I said, like. For, for for my friends, it was work and then football. For me, it was football, going to football. <laughs> Everything was, my life revolved around football.
0: When you think about Keshi Anderson, Swindon Town, 100 appearances and where you've been, what did you learn at Barton and what do you still maintain from that era in, in your game today? Probably the most
2: important thing, which is enjoying my football. Like the way that I wanted to go about making it, for me, if I'm not enjoying football, I don't think I play nowhere near as as, as, as well as I do. And um, uh, Gle- Jermaine McGlashan actually put this one into hindsight this season in the summer. when he said to me, he was like, I think I've been a pro four and a half years by then, four years. And um, he was like to me, the Keshi Anderson that I've seen and the way that I like see you as a player, he said, I feel like you fell out of love with the game. And that the way that that hit me was because, obviously, when I obviously I've had like injuries and this that this that this that. Obviously, my 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 biggest injury was my ankle when I was out for like ten months when and broke my leg, and um, everything that happened in football since then only seemed to regress. Mm. So when Glash said to me like, "You seem like you fell out of your love with football, this that this that," and I actually thought about it, and I thought about everything that's happened in the small, short space of me have in my career, like some players. What happens in my career in such a short space happens to them over like ten, twelve years kind of thing. So I had loads of stuff happen in football in a short space of time, and it was a lot to like get around. Like a lot of people find football are like mentally, it is very tough as well as physically. So when I realised that I needed to find that love again, it it, it helped and changed massively, especially for this season.
1: Five additional minutes. Mullen. It's Matt And it's gone through the keeper. The old wise head delivers.
0: Forest Green's party get crushed. Swing the town. The neighbours from down
1: the road. are ruining Forest Green's big, big night.
0: At Barton, it looks like there was a trial at Norwich, is that correct? And you went up and played Sunderland, a nil-nil draw there. Who else were interested before you joined Palace? Uh, So I was actually training with
2: Luton. John still was the manager at the time. I was training on a Monday with Luton. I used to... So I was with Luton on a Monday and a Friday. I was with Barton on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So I was literally doing it full-time anyway. I would walk like... 45 minutes to an hour from my house to training, to go train with Luton, like walk home. And like, then Tuesdays, like my friends would pick me up to go to games and stuff. And uh, I was literally doing full-time work uh, as a footballer, but I was on like 30 pound a game appearance. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a sacrifice. Like it was, it was massive, like sacrifices, like putting my trust, like not going into work and being able to do, what I wanted, which was play football and train and stuff. So, yeah, from there it was Luton and then Cambridge come in, put in a, a I think they put in like 10,000 grand, 10 grand, man it's 10,000 grand. And uh, obviously Barton rejected it because I was on contract, I was under contract. So they said, nah, we'll reject it because in their business term, it was, they always send you a low offer, the next one will be higher. So...
0: <laughs> oh man. You you're on you're on thirty quid or whatever a game and yeah. they're turning down ten grand. I'll be going, You you let me go. I I I'm, I kind of feel sorry for Luton during all of this. They really did want you and you never you know, couldn't commit to Luton. Yeah, to be honest, I
2: just before I went to Watford I was I was at Luton as well with, with the like Academy under whatever it was, like under twelves at the time. Uh, yeah, I, I ended up ditching Luton for Watford, as bad as it sounds.
1: <laughs> Three
0: times rejected. Yeah. Poor yeah.
2: Well, no, to be honest, the last time it was them that was kind of slow. I think uh, they didn't want to pay the because I was uh, under contract. I didn't think they w- they didn't want to pay. Yeah. They wanted to just try to like because I was Luton born, Luton grown. Like they thought, oh yeah, like they'll give us the player kind of thing. They're not gonna want too much money. Obviously, I ended up going. Like, Luton was still in the conference then that, that that time. I think. Might no, I think it might be just got into League Two. I can't remember. It was the last year Andre Gray was there. I think. The year after, on your grey Left
0: so you know, the <laughs> poor old Luton, but yeah, Cambridge then, didn't happen.
2: No, yeah, Cambridge didn't happen. Um, purely based on Norwich coming in and wanting me to go on trial and Brentford. There was a few other teams. Um, I'm not really, I can't even really remember. But, um, I remember my the chairman. He was like so excited over it. He was like, oh, I have got this scout coming down to watch this. Then, and uh, he'd always tell me that like, oh, yeah, I this person's coming down. I'd rather not know, like, I just want to play football. Like, you give me all this. I like, I enjoy pressure, but it was just like, now I know I can't just go out and be natural. Yeah, so they were the four teams that I knew about, like, massively. Um, I went on trial at Norwich first, like you said, 0 0 draw at Sunderland. I ended up playing against Martin Smith that day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so (laughs) he ended up being my teammate last year. Then the week I was going to go back to Norwich, Brentford came in. And said, wanted so obviously. I thought I might as well keep my options open. There's no point turning down Brentford to go back to Norwich for nothing to happen. So I ended up going to Brentford, playing a game against Crystal Palace, scored the hat trick in six minutes. That'll do it, yeah. But obviously, <laughs> I thought I thought Brentford were going to offer me a contract, and they didn't. As you said, oh. Yeah, we want you to come back on trial. <laughs> I was like, Hold on, hold on a minute. And then, yeah, so luckily, the uh, assistant, no, the manager for the under-23s, Gary Issa of mm. Crystal Palace, was, um, he stopped me in the car park and was just like, oh, did they offer you anything? And I said, oh, no, they want me to come back on trial. I didn't realise who he was. Coincidentally, like, he is from Dunstable. So in Luton, literally, it's about 15 minutes away. I had a game that night. On the Tuesday, I played for Brentford against Palace. On the Wednesday, I had a game for Barton in Dunstable. And the Palace 20 manager is from Dunstable.
0: I just worked out
2: in that respect um, well
0: just to give like, listeners an idea of Gary Issa, I mean before you had signed for them he had already sort of got Lewis Graben through John Bostock obviously ex-Swindon Victor Moses he, Nathaniel Klein had um, been a graduate uh, Wilfred Zaha uh, Johnny Williams played loads of football um, and later Aaron Wan Bissaka. you know loads of players that he's he's seen through a massive reputation. I mean, I'm always interested, like, when when clubs are circling you and they're giving you trials, are they not, are they not selling the club to you at that point? Or are they just saying, well, we're the football club, the ball's in our court, you'll wait yeah. until we're told?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. with Norwich, I think it was a lot more genuine, like, the coaches and that, like, they really liked what they saw because um, the interest, it was just a little bit more honest than Brentford's. Like, Brentford's was, when I came in, like, there wasn't even kit out for me one day and i was struggling to like get kit and then another day i missed the training session so i trained with them thursday friday uh monday then we had a game tuesday i didn't even know that there was training on saturday so when i came in on the monday the coach said to me where were you on saturday and i said no one told me i had training saturday otherwise i would have been there and they were like oh well you were meant to be in kind of thing then it was just like oh here's your kit like head out for training so i was like (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah Norwich was a lot more genuine Like as soon as I got there everything was there It was like alright you're on trial I was there for um, I think I went up on the Thursday and I left on the mon- on the Monday or Tuesday so I got kit like full tracksuit so I'm not even a signed player I'm just on trial for the four days and like I've got full tracksuit training everything's there and I was just like, oh, this is nice, like, get used to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Moving away from that, the key question I need to ask is, did Barton get their 10 grand? Because my research suggests they got a bit less.
2: No, 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 they got more, to be fair. <laughs> hey, nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: they done, they done their jobs, they were happy.
0: Oh, well, that's but No, cute. like,
2: even in that sense, like, for them, it wasn't even... Of course, like, the money comes into play, because you don't want to lose out on what could be a major asset. Like, everyone there, like, I haven't been backing for a while, to be fair um but last last i was down there i think two three three years ago probably and um like when i go there, still the same committee like everyone's still the same people you know what you get like little what is it's little county house look not county little um like not village outside Luton. so everyone knows everyone and it's a proper family club like so i can like i can go back for the next next season, go to a game, and I know I'm going to see the same people, same face. Everyone's going to show the same kind of love, and everyone will still be so happy like that from Barton. Yeah, we sold him to Crystal Palace. Like it's it's a big thing for the, like, them to say, kind of thing.
0: That sort of figure, although in the in the terms of football, isn't much. That keeps play teams like Barton. It keeps yeah. them level for years sometimes, doesn't it, if they're if they're sensible with their with their money. So I'm I'm fully expecting to go to Barton and, and find the Keshi Anderson suite in the in the <laughs> in the clubhouse, no?
2: Not just yet. Maybe when I return. I'll probably return when then I'm coming up back.
1: Hi, this is Jan Fjortoft and welcome and I'm on loath Strangers. It's so hard for a Norwegian Love Strangers Tier
0: eight to the Premier League is yeah. quite a jump, isn't it? Um, yeah. So what do you remember from those early stages of sort of integrating yourself from your previous schedule of of, of playing in long league and, you know, any educational commitments that you had to becoming a Premier League development player?
2: Yeah, it was massive. Like, um, the training-wise, I thought it was going to be a lot harder because, like, fitness levels, I thought, wow, like, it's going to be intense. But luckily, because I was with gluten the Monday-Friday, it gave me like a bit, a lot more fitness compared to what I was getting at Barton. So, and obviously the level of players. Well, I'm playing with grown men who have played in League Two, League One. Probably some of them maybe even a champ if they were lucky enough at the time. Who are, who are on their way out of the game or maybe um, coming to the end of their career kind of thing. So, um, one of the strikers uh, played for Swindon. What was his name?
0: Paul Benson. Yeah, it's Paul Benson. He played for Luton. He joined Luton from Swindon. Yeah.
2: Yeah, right, yeah, so him, yeah, so see, there's players that played in the league that I was, like, learning off, kind of thing, and um, it, it, it introduced me to being ready, kind of, so the fitness-wise, I wasn't too far off ability-wise, I always back myself to go into any team, and always, like, sh- prove my ability, and I, I done that straight away, like, my first game I scored, first training session was with the first team, and I was like, wow, I'm calling everyone by, like, their second him like, asking, like, Wolf like, is Wolf a Zaha, I was like, oh, like, can I get the ball? I'm saying Zaha, Zaha. <laughs> like, if, um, like, that's got Dan's on the, i like, ah, oh, Dan, like, calling their last name, like, I'm still a fan, and, and whatnot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so who was in that development set up with you? You know, that some of those players, obviously, are like, um, they're players who are first teamers that are sort of playing development football at the same time. Who, yeah. who, who were you playing alongside in the development?
2: So, um, uh, at Boateng.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that, um,
2: MK, yeah. MK now. Uh, Freddie Ledapo, yeah, he's obviously at Rotherham doing well. Was, um, was Mandela Egbo by, there still? Uh, yeah, Mandela was there just yeah, that was literally just, just before he went over to Germany. Yeah, Ryan Innes, yeah, I'm uh, just thinking of the players that are still in I, the league. In,
0: you, I, I saw I saw Crystal Palace development team, I think, at the start of the season that you signed, yeah. and I You know, it's. I'm a Swindon Town fan, but I used to at that stage I was living um, in in Bedminster, which is Bristol City territory. And after work, I'd go and watch a reserve game at Ashton Gate, couple quid in, sit there, listen to some music. And I remember seeing Palace play there. Ryan Innes definitely played in there. And the one thing that I noticed is Palace is big guys, you know, and. The little Bristolian and, you know, the, the Welsh kiddies that they bring over were so little and so slight in comparison. Um, yeah. And and it was really, really interesting. But still, they had people like Sully Kaikai, Kai, who, who's quite yeah. a small guy as well. So it, it, I just remember them being so much more physical, especially right in it. He's an absolute unit, isn't yeah, he? he was massive, he? Yeah. <laughs> played it, he played against Newport. I think he probably played for Newport against us yeah. this season. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about development because Gary is the under 23's manager at this stage isn't he I mean, yeah, yeah, he's, he would, I know he's got yeah. the over he's more of the overseer of the whole academy now but yeah. how influential was he because he has got some names in his portfolio of success yeah. stories hasn't he massively like
2: him obviously it was him that gave me the first chance I like, took the video of my hat trick over to to um, Alan Pardew was manager at the time and obviously luckily he was like yeah sign him and going in I was a striker it was funny like being a striker and then learning all these different things, and I obviously show Amiyogi mean, was there at the time um Glenn Murray, and obviously they were coming back in from injuries and into fitness, and they would play a few games and i 'd like learn of them and how to use my body more being small and learning so many different aspects of the game mm. through him and through like the academy process i didn 't realize there were so much like benefits from like what I had naturally, like my movement off the ball, stuff to get the ball was good, but to learn it in, into even more depth and uh, have a bigger grasp on it was, was, was crazy. Like,
0: yeah, absolutely, it does. And again, it did seem that Alan Pardew was very interested in bringing you in to the first team setup as a result of what you were doing early on in the development yeah. league. Yeah. Is that um, right?
2: Yeah, so. When I when I signed, I was I trained them very very often. Like whenever there was a space, like I'd always go up and train. Like pre season time, I was involved in 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 quite a few games. Luckily, because you don't always get that opportunity to to go and show what you've got to the manager.
1: Yeah.
2: And um, he he had me on the bench quite often. There was a few times where I thought, oh, this going to be my chance." I was always riddled by someone getting injured, which 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 killed me. I think in, in, in like the most part, it was always a defender getting injured or something, and. Your last sub would have to get used, and I was thinking, ah. Oh. But he, literally, I I, I think he believed in, in in my ability a lot because he he trusted to bring me along. He, he trusted me in training to know that I was good enough to come up and and play with everyone. And yeah, like even with my first loan move, Doncaster. I, I remember he, I was sitting there having breakfast, and he just came in and pointed at me, and said, like, didn't say a word, just pointed at me, just pointed at his office. And I was thinking, oh, what's he going to like tell me here? And then he's coming and said, oh, like, we've had a lot of interest from like non-league clubs, like Woking, da 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 but we've had an interest from Doncaster. And I was like, whoa, like, I've only been here six months, kind of thing, I'm getting a loan, probably potentially, to League One, which at the time I, I I wasn't even thinking of. I was literally just thinking of enjoying my time, showing, manager that, I've, I've got what it takes, kind of thing. And he influenced me a lot on, in... Go into League One and showing, okay, I can go to League One. I can show showcase my ability there. And at the time, it was only like a month alone three, and then it got extended to to the January. And um, I was thinking ahead of that, I was thinking, okay, well, if I do well here, I know he trusts me enough to say, okay, if you do well, I can then trust you to come into my team, kind of thing. So I was trying to use it as a as a base to. Obviously, like everyone, just to progress.
0: If it wasn't for the injury, it would have probably paid dividends because I think it's Paul Dickoff that brings you in, and by the time you finish, Darren Ferguson's in charge. Is that right?
2: Uh, yeah, Darren. Darren was in charge in the end, but um, no, it's Rob Jones. The Rob, Rob Jones,
0: the the, the caretaker yeah, manager he, that brought yeah, you in. Yeah,
2: caretaker manager. I played a game against I think it might have been Barnsley, probably a week or two before Coincidentally, I scored a hat trick, and. He, he said straight away he must have been on the phone because like, within a few days I'd heard. Yeah.
0: Well, let's get this out of the way then. You make your debut in, a, in September 2015 against Sheffield United, and then you make like, your home debut for Doncaster a few days later. Um, yeah. You score. Tell me who was the opposition? <laughs> Swindon bloody town, isn't it's it? Beautiful. So <laughs> two two draw. Luckily, uh, John Obika yeah, gets it.
2: we were losing one 0 and then I scored. So it wasn't even like, oh yeah, celebrate. It was literally I scored, ran, grabbed the ball. I was like, let's go for the win. And we got the we got the second. And um I think you got scored in like last minute or so. I was gutted because it kind of ruined the, ruined the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we we've ruined many people's days over the years. Um, Andy Williams, of course, scoring in that game as well. Ex swindon but the central midfielder was of course Richie Wellens. So, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll talk about him as a manager a bit later. From from my memories, because Richie Wellens was one of the most sought after central midfielders in the football league, especially League One level for years and years and years. Everybody wanted. Its, a Richie Wellens sort of midfielder. What was it like working for him at that stage?
2: No, it was good. Yeah, Richie Richie was a good player. Like I enjoy playing with him. He, he was always even like from what he's brought into his style of play as a manager about passing forward as a midfielder and getting forward and creating from a deeper role. Uh, his passing ability was 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 that like, you couldn't question it. He'd always find me in in the pockets and get me on a half turn. i was like I know. Him as a player, like if he would wrap a pass into me and I wouldn't control it, he'd be he'd be that like, pissed at it kind of thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Does uh, Jerry Yates uh, tell, ask you about your uh, Doncaster spell? Seeing that he's a he's a big fan.
2: <laughs> yeah, he mentioned it a few times. He's he's, he's had the odd message saying, "Ah, oh, um, Keshe Hansen used to play at Doncaster," da, 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 da. <laughs> and um, I uh, yeah, he, he said, "Yeah, I remember you playing for Donny."
0: <laughs> well you kind of hit the ground running but then it's injury isn't it is, is yeah. that, is that, that's the break isn't it yeah done,
2: uh, funny enough when I come to Swindon Ollie Lancashire was the skipper it was Ollie that done it when yeah. he was at Rochdale <laughs>
0: oh, man uh, words were said
2: nah to be fair it was, all, it was all dealt with at the time like um, it was what was it I remember I'd just cut up we played Shrewsbury probably two weeks before and I got injured I had like a bit of bone bruising, so I was out um, I came back from that so I came on probably in the 60th minute or so 70th minute and um, went on a little run and I got to the edge of the box and like the ball was just in front of me and he he's took the ball but my foot got trapped underneath his It's fair enough so, like, it was a good tackle and whatnot. he messaged me after saying like sorry that like, was no intention in junior this that and I was just like no fair, fair, fair enough like it wasn't a bad tackle or anything like all's well kind of thing and he was like oh, I hope you recover well and literally left it out. Then, obviously, when I signed, I see him. I was like, oh, my I was like oh, How are you, man? How's the injury? He was a bit like nervous. I was just like, It is what it is, kind of thing. Like, three years, three years on now. Like.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, is that your first major injury at that yeah. stage? Yeah. So, have yeah, like,
2: yeah, never been injured before, kind of. Yeah,
0: it's a big one to have as a first one, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, it broke my leg uh,
2: and then dislocated my ankle. Which was the actual like, proper? That's what kept me out for the for the for the like main the main part of the injury. So I was out for ten months, which took my contract that swind, uh, at Swindon um, at Crystal Palace to an end, so, which was a bit frustrating. Like
0: yeah. asking, oh, "What's going to happen? Come back from injury? Blah 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 blah." So I, I talked to Dion about long-term injuries and how he he dealt with it because it's a huge psychological sort of uh obstacle a hurdle isn't it because you have your routine and then suddenly you can do nothing other than sit there and then begin to recuperate when the time comes what was it like for you
2: the long ones obviously hard to deal with mentally because you're seeing all your friends who are still playing you're seeing the team like doing well or like going through whatever they're going through at the time and all you want to do is be out there helping everyone. All you want to do is go out and kick a ball with them and just enjoy the moment and the sun. And it's just like, I remember coming in and getting asked by like one player, Oh, how is it? And then a minute later, someone else would come in and same question, How is it? So you go through the day of telling everyone, Oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's all right. I'm progressing, but I've still got like, five, six months. So like, and then it dawns on you like, yeah, I've been doing this for three, four months already. I've still got—I'm not even at the halfway mark. No, like I've still got so much way to go. Like I had to learn to walk again. I'm in the phys, in the in the in the gym with the physio and having to hold his hands, like just to be able to walk. And I'm thinking, how can I not walk on my own? How can I not like take a trip to the to the fridge to get a glass of water and walk back to where I was sitting? Like all these little things that you take for granted on a daily basis and. Now you're struggling to do it, so mentally it's, it is very tough.
0: Yeah, and and what do the coaching staff do at the, during this time? Do they just check in on you every now and again, or are they are they constantly around?
2: Yeah, obviously everyone's still doing it. Like they've still got to do their daily stuff, so organising
0: training and this and
2: that, and talk to all the other players and getting tactics done. So obviously when you're in and around the training ground, you, you see everyone, you talk to them, they ask you how it is. It's pretty pretty similar like day to day. I never really sat down with anyone and said, "Oh, like I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that." Sure. Which in football is massive because sometimes it's probably what you need to do. A lot of like, as 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 men, like sometimes you feel you can't, kind of. So yeah. I remember in the physio room one day, like five or six players come in, like all asking the same question. I remember sitting there in the physio room thinking, like teary eye and that thinking, like yeah, how am I going to deal like deal with this kind of thing?" but then not having the courage to like talk about it probably made it even harder kind of thing.
0: Did you at least get to the cup final? Which cup? The FA Cup. No. Oh, I would no. have expected a ticket for the cup final.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I did I didn't even end up going. Could you? I'm not sure. I think we might have been able to like through the club and whatnot. Yeah. But there's only limited amount obviously a lot of the first team players obviously so they get a priority for their families and stuff sure. so yeah I didn't end up going but I was definitely rooting for Palace to get that and it was a massive thing it pushes you into the Europa League and for, for, for Palace that would have been massive at the time
0: what was your reaction when you saw the dance by Pardy <laughs> I enjoyed it
2: I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed it I, lo- I love Pardy as, as, as a character he is and
0: like the manager he was
2: as well and yeah I enjoyed it when I thought yeah I would have done the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you got it that that final. I, like we should, I think we should have won. Like, I think Connor Wickham had a goal chalked off. That was a clear clear goal. Um, obviously Punch scored. I think it was Punch. Yeah,
0: late on. Yeah, it was. It was... Yeah, Punch
2: scored late on. Uh, I think it was Lingard got the equaliser late, like yeah. even later. I was gutted
0: yeah, it was it was a tough one. And I, I think, you know, he got a lot of stick for that dance, but I think it was about 10 yeah. minutes to go. And, and it, it was one of those moments yeah, where you can't, can't you can't let it go. And it kind of sparked Manchester United, not the dance, but the, just the, the sheer, the goal sort of gave him a kick up <laughs> the backside, I think. But I think what you say there's a really important point that, you know, because the following August, you're on the bench in the Premier League for Purdue, yeah. So if you would have made it into the Europa League, you would have almost certainly been dragged to Moldova or, yeah. you know, all the far, far reaches of, yeah, uh, of, of Europe course. to play. But, you know, it doesn't matter because it's Europa League, right? It's, it's yeah. where you want to be. Um, yeah. This is where Swindon really come into it. Because I remember Swindon were very, very keen for you to sign for town at this stage. But you went for Bolton instead. I I remember talking to Lawrence Vigaru a year ago, and I might we might have had this conversation off mic. But he, I swear, he said that he, you regretted going to Bolton instead of Swindon at that stage. Is that true?
2: It wasn't even just Swindon in in, in time. It was um like the whole transfer move to Bolton. So when I came back from my injury. Um, I had this drama of Palace only offering me a year Mm. um, coming back. And I I was like pleading with them saying, I'll give me two years, like obviously with the injury and whatnot, if I don't get the the correct loan move and things don't go well, then I'm going to be kind of like stuck for choice. And it might even end up on me moving down the leagues further than league two kind of thing. And obviously that wasn't what I wanted. So um, I was pleading for two years and I remember coming back and training and um, they went to Canada and America for preseason, And I couldn't go because the game, two of the games were on AstroTurf. So if my ankle wouldn't have been right. And um, I'd worked so hard on getting back just to be fit for that. So when they came back from the preseason tour, we had Fulham away. And um, Pardues obviously took me. I'd signed my one year because I thought, well, I have to. Because it's the only thing I have going. And after that game, I think we lost 2-1 or 3-1. But I scored. And I came in on the Monday and it offered me now the two-year contract that I wanted. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to sign the contract, but can we have in that that I can pick the loan move? So they agreed to that. And then it came down to I chose Milton Keynes. So Swindon was my second choice because of the style of football. So what it was, was I went to go to a team that played football. And obviously with Milton Keynes coming down from the champ, I thought, right, they'll be in a very good position to um, to go back up and get promoted. I actually looked at Swindon and the style of football that Swindon had adopted and made their their own kind of thing, which was playing out and playing with a risk. I loved the fact that they played like that. So it was a choice between them two. I ended up going for MK because, obviously, with, with, with them coming down from the champ, Um and then the day before I was going to sign at MK um, I get a phone call saying oh, they've scrapped my deal that was, I had not signed it yet they said they scrapped my deal give me a better one but I have to go to Bolton so obviously I looked at Bolton obviously they've come down from the champ as well they're obviously a massive massive club and in my head it was like obviously I had a few people obviously like Pardee one of them saying like, it's a massive opportunity at a big club who obviously probably going to get promoted mm-hmm. they did end up getting promoted that season it was like it was a good loan move in terms of learning, but obviously the game game time that I received was nowhere near what I wanted and what I expected. Coming back from my injury and knowing that I had to do well, kind of thing, for me to progress. Because yeah, if yeah. I, like I said, if I didn't have a good loan move coming back out of my injury, it would have uh, what I thought was going to halt me in a in, in a big way. So yeah, I ended up going Bolton, and as funny as it is, it's probably my favourite loan move in terms of the players that I had around me and the things that I was learning in training because I had the likes of like Jay Spearing who played Champions League football, played played in the Prem, played in the Champ. Gary Medin like, played Champ, played played League One, he was, was a handful. Um, David Wheater played, played Premier League for a long period of his time. Like, I had players with experience that I was going in training and Doing well against, so I knew I had the ability, and it was just frustrating that I didn't get the game time to show it at Bolton. But yes, yeah, so and then I could have ended up at Swindon that year. It was unfortunate that I didn't.
0: In relation to the two loan spells that season you had at Bolton and at Northampton, why were you deemed expendable from the first eleven? Was it because you were out of form? Was it because? the style of football you play, they don't want to play you and they want to put you on the bench, you're on that rotation. What what was the reason? Because it happens both times, doesn't it? I think
2: for Bolton it was... um, So, obviously they were doing well. We we were winning most games. They they adopted the style of play under the manager that wasn't really what I wanted kind of thing and it didn't help me as much as what I thought. But I I, I had a massive argument with um, with a few people just in regards to like the loan in itself, because of the whole thing that Bolton were going through at the time, which was obviously the embargo, and I think money was a it was a big thing that came into play with me not playing, because obviously like the bonuses and stuff, so that like, appearance, goal bonus, win bonus, and obviously if if um if I was to have been playing and doing well, it would have put Bolton in an even bigger. Hold than what they already were in. Yeah. So a lot of the lone players were on the bench. And a lot of the time, what I'd noticed was, so in, in games, if you come on after a certain period of time, then you don't get that bonus kind of thing. And the subs that the manager was always making was after the time so that the players wouldn't actually um, succumb that bonus fee. So if you come on in the 75th minute, you don't get that bonus for that game. So... The lone players, even the ones that were on the bench with me, the ones that did get on, they were still missing out on that bonus because of the time period that they were getting put on. I I, I believe that. And even when I told the manager at Bowen that I wanted to leave, I was like, obviously, I'm not playing. He mentioned money to me, and I was just, at a time, I wasn't really thinking about it because it was just like, I'm not bothered about the, the money. I just want to play football. Like, forget everything else. The, mo- the most important thing to me is football. I was 21 at the time, coming back. Like, back of of an injury that had me out for a long time and all I wanted to do was play football and it it was like do you not realise that that's all that matters to me and you're stopping me from doing that because of what you're talking about money which obviously for a club is a massive thing because if you haven't got the money then you're not going to be able to perform as a club I think that was a massive thing with my loan
0: move to Bolton Um, on a lighter note Phil Carps asks is this where um, this being Bolton is is Bolton where the Kane-Woolery bromance started? no well I met
2: Kane once through um, Zach Clough he was getting his hair cut funny enough from the same barber (laughs) and um, yes I met him but we didn't really like yeah I didn't really know each other too much obviously when I came to Swindon and I see him in the changing room it was like oh familiar face I was like oh how's it going like you good in that and then yeah from there yeah Bromance started.
0: Bromance <laughs> starts. Lovely stuff. Um, Northampton, you were managed by the late and very popular just at Edinburgh. Yeah. Ultimately, your spell at Northampton is just as frustrating in a way, appearance-wise, but was it at least an improvement?
2: Yeah, it was an improvement in, obviously, my game time and whatnot. Um, I had a, I had a lot of frustration going into that season, obviously, from, from the Bolton loan to go into Northampton because, obviously, all I wanted to do was play. And um, I remember I went to the manager after... Uh, after a game because I'd started off well in the first seven games I think also I had I had the goals that I scored in my home debut <laughs> um had a few assists obviously had been playing well and he left me out against South Bend based on oh I haven't played a lot recently and he don't want me to get me injured so I said fair enough but then he left me out of the squad entirely like I wasn't even on the bench so I was like how can I not even be on the bench kind of thing. like if we're losing 1-0 there's 20 minutes to go like 20 minutes isn't going to affect me as much as, okay, starting the game and playing the whole game. So he left me out of the team, put me back in next week. I think we lost that week when I came back into the squad and then for some reason I was on the bench again and I was a bit frustrated saying, how can I go from playing so well and being informed for you to make me miss a whole game for me to put, come back in and then for you to put me on the bench again? Like, I'm playing well. Like, I should be starting the games I've played with one majority of them. I'm creating a lot. I'm I'm, I'm assisting. I've scored a few. So like, can I, like, I should be playing? And I think he took that in a way where it was like, oh, if you're only a young lad on loan. Like, who do you think you are to say that you should be playing kind of thing? And it wasn't it down to anything other than uh, I was playing well and I just wanted to carry that on. So then from yeah, from there, it was like I was in the team, I was out of the team, I was in the team, I was out of the team. And it was, again, like, frustrating and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and during all of these loan spells... Palace aren't having a good time managerially, um, in managerial sense either because uh, Pardew leaves, then Sam Allardyce, then Sam Allardyce goes and then it's Frank De Boer and then Roy Hodgson by the time you leave. Yeah. Are you suffering as a lone player during all of that when managers are changing with different philosophies, different mentalities yeah. and then you're yeah. over in some some other far out posts going, well, what's going on? And y- you get sort of left behind and forgotten about.
2: Yeah, so... In the time, in the four managers that I had, I only met two of them.
0: <laughs>
2: obviously, Frank and Alan. Pard, um, Allardyce, I actually met once at a funeral. So there was a funeral for Cook at Bolton, obviously, where Allardyce had been. So I connected to Bolton for his, for his time. He was at the funeral and I, I, I didn't actually even meet him. It was literally just like a I walked past him and someone was like, oh, there's a new manager. And I was like, oh, what? I didn't even realize. I was like, oh, did, did he get a job? And he was like, yeah, yeah, he's the new palace manager. I was like, oh, right. Like, didn't even say hello or anything. Because at the time, I was I like, just learned it's not the right time to, like, kind of go off and say, oh, yeah, I'm on loan from Crystal Palace. Like, you're my new manager. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't even meet him. And then, obviously, Hodgson, I was on loan at Swindon. And, obviously, I signed directly. Like, as soon as my loan finished, I had signed at Swindon. So, I never even met Hodgson either. With Pardew being there and knowing the type of player I was, for me... Then coming back, and then obviously Allardyce left, so I didn't even get the chance to meet him. And then Frank coming in. I remember the year Frank came in, as an under-23 player, and I was 22 at the time, I was obviously one of the older old, older players in the, in the team, and he was focusing on the younger players, so like the 17-, 18-year-olds. So I came back into preseason season with, with the likes of Ryan Inis, Hiram Boateng, Freddie Ledapo, and we weren't even part of the first team now. We were literally just part of the lone squad. And it was like... How can I go from being so close to now being at the bottom of the peck and order just part of the lone group? I remember the only the, the, the first initiation that I got into the first team like was, luckily enough, I think it was Ben Benteke was getting married and Saleh Kaikai just got injured. And the first team were up at St. George's. i just left training ground in London. And me and Freddie uh, got a phone call saying you need to come back to the stadium, back to the training ground, get your stuff and go to St. George's tonight. Your needs by the first team. So I was like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm on my way back to Kent, which is like an hour drive, and I was already like half an hour gone. So I was like, I have to drive half an hour back when I'll get ready, and we have to drive up to St. George's. We'll be there by seven o'clock. It was already about three, half three in the afternoon. We just finished <laughs> the double session. And I was like, so me and Freddie ended up going up to, the, to, to see the first team. We played an 11v11 game. I think we drew 1-1 in the game. It was just Palace versus Palace, like 11 v 11. Yeah. And um, as soon as the game finished, I, the doctor was like, oh, you need to go get your jabs. The gaffer wants you to come to China. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, like, you're coming to China with us on Monday. You need to go get your jabs now. So in the matter of like playing a game 90 minutes, obviously Frank must have been, like liked what he saw because I, I got my jabs, went, went, went to... China and we got off the plane had a training session and I was in the starting lineup so I was like what's going on here we had obviously the game against Liverpool I started in and from there it was it was looking like wow I'm, I'm, I'm literally back in the in the thicker thing and it, it was frustrating obviously the start that Palace had under Frank because he had this whole philosophy that he wanted to change the club and and bring his idea into and it was annoying because he didn't really have the time yeah. Because under him, I thought, wow, like I'm not just in and around it. Like I'm in China, starting against Liverpool. Like I must be doing something right, and I'm playing, like going through training, having my best preseason that I'd had at Palace. And like thinking, as long as everything goes plan, like I, I could be going into the start of the season, like on the bench, like in the, in the, in the gaffer's mind. Yeah, like he's a player that can change a game. I remember I got injured. I think it was like a week or two before the start of the season, which, which frustrated me. It was my same ankle that I'd done before. I just rolled it, but because of precaution and stuff, um, like the physios, how they were, mm-hmm. they were very like skeptical of my ankle. Like the whole time, obviously the physio had been there through my injury. The ones that had like helped me like learn to walk again and whatnot. So if it was anything to do with my ankle, like they took extra care with it. I remember coming back from that injury and being on the bench, being on the bench, and thinking, "Oh, I'm going to get my time." and Obviously, Palace was struggling. They'd lost the first six, seven games of the season, like cup games and Premier League games. Yeah. So it's like, oh. And then obviously, when Frank found out that he was going to get like, sacked, it was like, oh, where do I stand? Kind of thing. I need players. They brought in like a new sporting director, and he said, like, you need players. Like, we're going to give you money, and it like pushed me out the door, kind of thing. And then obviously ended up getting sacked anyway. So.
0: If if you if you take anything from it, the fact that somebody with the career of Frank de Boer rating you, that that must sort of fuel you in a, in a positive way. Because I mean, the guy who played hundreds of times for Ajax, won the Champions League, won the Liga with with Barcelona, played over a hundred times for one of the you know, for two of the greatest teams. You know, it's it's well, he played three hundred odd times for Ajax. I mean despite you know his credentials as a coach not being that great compared to his playing career that must have been still a real boost for you yeah massively like
2: obviously when when we found out I was going to be frank the ball coming in as a manager everyone was a bit like well like do you think he's still got like the ability that he had like and yeah. sometimes in training like he would show it like when he wanted something done he'd come on the pitch and show you like this is what I want and he'd just pull it off and he's, like first time and it's like yeah he's still got it <laughs>
1: from the spot for Swindon he scored
0: you're listening to the Low Strangers podcast proudly sponsored by the STFC official supporters club well you go from Frank DeBoer to David Flickcroft in in a pretty (laughs) swift amount of time yeah Um, So you were attracted to Swindon originally because of style of play. Um, A question from Sean Anthony who says, what attracted you to Swindon on loan in the first place? So this is this this the one they actually join, and yeah. what made you decide to join permanently? Um, and was that the right decision for him? So let's start at the start. So Swindon come back in for you, and I detect this is more about our scouting network as opposed to the manager who's really keen on you at this stage. Simply because we've been in for you previously. Yeah. So
2: again, with the loan, it was, it was a frustrating one. Um, I actually. Um, chose to go (laughs) Cholton I chose to go Cholton and um, the manager was Carl Robinson at the time Mm. and obviously prior to that obviously when I went to Bolton he was the MK manager so I chose to go Cholton but there was a whole dilemma of oh no you're not going to Cholton because of there was a lot of conflict from when I was meant to go to Milton Keynes ended up not going Carl Robinson put out an interview saying like some I can't remember but it was exactly just saying oh like how like they backhanded him on the on the deal and whatnot. How obviously he only found out moments before so I was gonna sign to them that no, I was going Bolton instead. So when I said I wanted to go Cholton, obviously Carl Robinson was my agent, they were like, No, you're not going Cholton and I was thinking, Well, I wanna go Cholton, like I'm sitting there on trying to deadline day till I think it was like literally a minute before I could when with the extension, it was like two in the morning, I think one in the morning, and I was like, well, if I'm not going Charlton, I'm not going anywhere. And then, so obviously, Swindon were coming in, Swindon, like, and I was just like, you know what, Swindon played good football, just gone down to League 2, they're going to they're, they're gonna do well kind of thing. So I noticed, I know their style already kind of thing, like, right? I said, OK, cool, if I'm going to go, if, they, if these are saying I have to go, and it was a thing of being not wanted at that time, so from being so wanted and being a part of the first team to now, oh, we don't want you here. It was like, okay, if you don't want me, then fine. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make a career for myself now. I'm gonna start at Swindon. So I came on loan, and um, was just thinking, okay, I'm on my last year. If I do well now, teams like Swindon, if if we're doing well, obviously I could come here. We can go get promoted to League One. Uh, if not, then it's another stepping stone, and we can, I can pr- pr- like do well enough to for a team to come in for me and say we'll take you, obviously like in Champ or a bit higher, and um, say yeah.
0: I'm very nervous at the fact that Carl Robinson's a big fan of you is <laughs> because he's that alternate at the moment It is, <laughs> yeah, this is a long time ago, and I'mmmy yeah, all right I, I get you, I get you okay, so so the first season, David Flitcraft, it's a frustrating season, I think you yeah. know ultimately. I I can only talk on the fan side of things and fans were very frustrated at the style of play under David Flickcroft. I mean, we played pretty football and people weren't happy. We played direct football under Flickcroft and people weren't happy. It wasn't a good time, really. But had he stayed for the whole season, I think maybe the playoffs might have happened maybe yeah. Flickcroft and Flickcroft's departure was understandable geographically probably financially etc but I do wonder whether he felt that the season was beginning to wane and that's why he left I mean what were your experiences of, of the David Flickcroft side of this because ultimately you signed for Swindon during this permanently so it couldn't have yeah. been all bad for you
2: no, yeah, something was going well. It was My my, my loan, my first six-month loan, I thought, went well. Um, we were obviously in a good good position. There was one or two te- other teams in League One that came in, and I was just like, I'm enjoying my football here. I'm playing week in, week out. Am I going to swap that for then starting over again when, in hindsight, at the end of the season, I could be in League One anyway? So, I, I, obviously, I decided to stay where I knew under Flickcroft I know he loved me as a player, like week in, week out I was on the team sheet and like I said, I I thought I was doing well. Um I think if he stayed, I think yeah, we would have got promotion. Like nothing against Phil Brown. But obviously it's hard coming in and adopting someone else's team and getting the best out of them and like progressing in such a short space of so because he came in what the beginning of March.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's only probably 15 games or so for him to try and adopt then his style of play onto players that ain't really his. And, um, but now, yeah, like the, the, the football in itself, I signed obviously because I thought it was going to be Swindon, like complete football. And obviously David flipoff had his own style of play, uh, which like you said, some fans liked, some fans didn't. And it was a bit up and down, up and down. Um, I had, so I remember the last 12 games of the season, Everyone was really frustrated like, as, a, as a whole, like, as a team, because we were so close. Yeah. But then we were so far at the same time. Like, every time we lost, the teams above us lost. Every yeah. time we drew, the teams above us drew, And every time we won, they would win. So it was like we, we weren't ever closing a gap. And I think by the end of it, we only ever needed like one or two more wins from games. And I remember we were playing games and thinking, how have we not won that? And like coming off of a draw. I'm thinking that like, we're we're messing up our chances. Here. Like the gaps getting smaller on us to close it with like less games that we have, and um, like it just wasn't working.
0: Yeah, you're spot on. I think you know, I don't think you played in the game, but there was one against Yeovil at home. I think you were on the bench for that, where they scored in the last minute. Had we had we won that game, we would have been in the playoffs. And then after that, it just all sorts of sort of falls apart. Phil Brown. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. It, it can't be easy to come into a club that's doing okay and then try and see it through. I mean, in our sort of better years under De Canio, when Kevin Macdonald came in, he had the same issue. You know, it, it it just seems to be one of those things. Was there a particular radical change of philosophy when Phil Brown came in, or did he try and keep it as it was? Um...
2: Now, yeah, he tried to change it to his to his own like come, coming in like as a defensive manager. He is a he obviously his career. He played as a as a fullback, uh, so as a defensive manager, he was very good. At, um, like where we need to be positionally helping out players like as a team and like defending as a team, attacking as a team. That transition from defense into attack. But um, yeah, like I said, obviously, like if you haven't got the players that you want to do it. Then it's it's always going to be a bit harder.
0: I mean that preseason. So we're talking twenty eighteen here. It based on what you said there, you need your players to do to do the job that you want. And I felt in that summer that Phil Brown really struggled to bring anybody that he really wanted in. Or you know, a lot of the players we brought in may have not been up to the task, perhaps. But it, there did seem to be a lot of silence that summer. A lot of um, trialists lists and not many signings,
2: yeah it was it kind of but um I think the first few games uh, were um a bit of a, a bit it was a bit of a struggle say for the for when he leave october he left about october time, yeah. so from July till October, I think we had a good basis of a team um but quite similar for what we've had in the last few years was with injuries. So I remember there was Crawley away. We were winning 2 0 <laughs> and we were playing like some of the football we played in the first few games was like we were playing very good football and like we draw or like we we, we, we nicked a few wins as well like towards the end. And I thought we we have a good team here. Like it's just gonna take that like pure focus on like, everyone buying into it and like there was games where I thought, no, nah, like, we've got a good team. Like, we're we're going to do it this year. And then it, I think it came down to a bit a discipline like within the team. Like no one fully knuckled down entirely that season to say, like as much as like you want it. Like some things, like when you're in training, like you'd be having banter like, as you do, mm. but like then the banter would overcome the training session. And it was like. It but, wasn't as serious as what it needed to be.
0: So it becomes more of like, you know, you spend too much time enjoying yourself but not focusing on on, yeah. on the fundamentals. Yeah. Is that right? yeah, so then when
2: it comes to a game, we'd be enjoying ourselves, we'd be winning, but then it, someone in a game, like there wasn't a game where I could say there wasn't a mistake. Yeah. There was always a mistake and it was like, how are we going to get these mistakes out of it? Everyone knew what to say, but then when it comes to the training pitch, it was like, oh, like, it's just Banner again.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it did feel that way. Like you could never even Swindon <laughs> scored, especially when they equalised. You you could never trust that team at the start of the season to to kick on or to hold the draw. You know, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, I do I do understand that. And <laughs> Phil Brown's last game is against York. and we scrape past them? Yeah. Um, and then Brown and McDonald's uh, are sacked afterwards. Was that a surprise to you guys? Uh,
2: it was a surprise. That they got sacked off the win, but the boys could see it coming, kind of thing. We was like, "Oh, as soon as like we lose, like we reckon the manager'll be gone." Like it was, no one wanted it to happen. Like everyone's trying. Like, even the York game, I mean, it was an FA Cup. We won one nil, wasn't it? Two one. Two was Two one. Yeah. finally scored.
0: Yeah, Twine scored. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I remember that, and um, like everyone was a bit shocked like that they, that he got sacked off the back of a win. Um. I think they kind of expect that oh, if we lose, like manager's gonna be gone. Obviously no one wanted it so that I think when we won and he got sacked, everyone was a bit like, Oh wow, right. Like, we really need to buckle up kind of thing. It's not like his fault, it's always like we're the players kind of thing, like we need to like buckle up our ideas. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's not nice seeing someone having
0: to like get get sacked and lose their job. I guess what you're saying about like the the sort of the sort of culture that was in the team it it, it kind of goes with what Richie Wellens was s- suggesting the club was like when he arrived so this is somebody that comes in that you used to play alongside sure not for very long but you would have been in the dressing room training with him every day yeah. what goes through your head there do you think oh you know I got on with him or oh, he was a good disciplined player or yeah. you are you a bit more apprehensive when somebody that you used to work with becomes your boss
2: no, uh, yeah, I messaged him and I was like, "What's this? I'm here and you're going to be my ma- my manager." And he was like, "Not just yet, but don't worry. If I am, I'll get the best out of you." <laughs> it was like it was nice. It was just like, I was like, "Fair enough." Like, like, I I know him as like a player, and like, I could imagine the style of football what he wanted to adopt, which he came in and done straight away. Um, yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't anything where I thought. Oh, this is going to be a bit weird or awkward. I was actually in, in, in enjoying it. i like embracing it.
0: Yeah. During these first two seasons, I don't think, I don't think the fans' relationship with Keshi Anderson is the best in the world. It's not the worst by any stretch of the imagination. I would say there are several players that probably got more stick than yourself. And I'm not saying that you got loads and loads and loads but you know I listen to what fans say I I read what fans you know their opinions online and I've always had this feeling until this season that you've struggled to win a lot of fans over would you say that's fair? Uh,
2: yeah probably
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think that's because we see, you know, when squad lists are announced and we see your position? Do you think it's as simple as you're supposed to be a goal scorer and you don't score goals as much as we would like? And I say we, I I say that as the collective. Or do you think that it's just a part of your game that that fans struggle with? I mean, because I've never, I've never read that you've had like anything said to them you've not said anything to fans that wind people up I mean I think do you think you're a victim of the fact that you've played in two seasons before there where Swindon have had two of the worst seasons statistically or positionally since the 80s what do you what do you think is the reason behind that
2: Um, I'd probably say as a collective so honestly when I came in on my loan I'd done well I think once I signed permanently for the rest of that year my performances dropped Quite a bit, like that's a self, like criticism kind of thing. Yeah, but um, from the fans, obviously, like I was watching, I I see something the other day. What um, I think it was Andre Gray said just about like certain players. Like you can watch players and you might think oh they're not doing enough for what they do, like what they what what they're expected of. So like you said, like I'm meant to be scoring more goals or this or that, but then. It takes away from the other stuff that you're doing on a pitch. So like, I could have a good game. Like I, I don't think there's like this season. Um, probably I've I've, I've played I think 20 games.
0: Yep.
2: And I could probably I could on um, by myself say okay I know I didn't play well this game that game because every player looks at their games, they analyze it, they say okay what could I do here, what could I do there. I've played well here, and I will be my first criticism kind of thing, and. I think it comes down to just some fans probably expect a lot more than they get yeah. from probably any player. So like, um, I'm trying to say this in a way where, so like, if I was gonna, if I was to be, so like, I personally, if I was to give myself a rating for the season, I'd probably say seven because. There has. I don't think there'll be more games where I perform under a uh, a seven. Yeah. So for me, if I'm putting a seven week in week out, but fans are expecting more. So when I put in a five, it's like fucking hell. Like he's he's not. Oh, sorry. I swore. My bad. No, you swear. Don't you worry. (laughs) You you swear you want. If I put in a bad performance, then they're gonna think, oh yeah, like we know he's played bad today. But if I put in like what is a for some people a seven or eight it's oh well that's that's expected so we need more
0: yeah over the two seasons before that so if you were a 7 out of 10 this year which i think is you know per- perfectly reasonable what would you have rated yourself in the two previous seasons
2: um i'd probably say i'd give myself a 6 for both based on yeah for both based on like goals in assist return, mm-hmm. I know, I know in myself my goals and assist assist return for the player that I am are below par. Like I know that I expect more for myself, like regardless of what fans expect of me. Yeah. So um, but I look at games where, like, and I think Mattiel, like, I've played well here. Like, yeah, I'm still getting stick.
0: Yeah.
2: And like. So for, for for me, like players, like teammates, know what we bring like on a on a pitch. Yeah. To fans, it's like completely fans see football differently to to, to what footballers see. Do you understand that? Yeah, absolutely. But, like my teammates, as long as my teammates know, nah, like Keshe played well. Like Keshe played well. This like throughout. You Might not have the the the, the returns what he's saying, but like the things that he does in the game and how he helps the team. Yeah. Like, there's no way, like, some of the stuff maybe fans might be saying is even relevant. Like, I wouldn't really take in what fans, if my teammates are saying to me, Keshi, you're not doing this enough, you're not doing that enough, you're not doing, I'll look at it and say, do you know what? You're right, I'm not.
0: Yeah.
2: But as long as my teammates and my managers know, like, like, there's a reason why I'm, if I'm fit or if I'm, if I'm, like, Ready to play that I play. Do you know what I mean? It's not down to coincidence that, oh, if I'm fit, then I'm I'm, I'm playing. Hello, I'm Paul Karras, and you're listening to the Loathed Strangers
1: podcast.
0: To get to where you are now with the fans, you had a rough summer. Well, from what we know anyway, we don't know the ins and outs, but you know, there was a very well publicized falling out. Richie Wellen said, you know, Keshi Anderson's on the transfer list. And in our minds well that's the end of Keshi Anderson he's gone he's not going to come back and it's maybe you know I'm more than sure some fans would have said that's no major loss you didn't go to preseason training and now you're going to end the season with a medal and with Swindon fans begging for you to sign a new contract which is testament to yourself which is fantastic there's we go back to the summer because um, there's loads of questions about it. Not too, not too sort of stressful, I don't think. So Paul Wells asks, "How much credit do you give Richie Wellins for turning you into the consistent performer that you became this season?"
2: Uh, obviously, like training-wise, training is obviously good. Like obviously with the team and everything. But coming into the season anyway, obviously my 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 aim for whatever team I'm at, kind of like not saying like whatever wherever footballer whoever they're playing for they want that season to be their season
0: yeah
2: so going into every season um it's like okay we're, we're, we're aiming to win so everything that happened with the manager I just thought if if you want me to go then cool I'll go like it's, it's it is what it is kind of thing um but just know. Um like you need me. <laughs> like it was as simple as that, like you need me. And like with Dion being the skipper um like pre season, like the games that I played in pre season, like when I was speaking to the boys and the boys like what's going on? Like I said, I know like I've been transfer listed. And saying, like you've been unbelievable like pre season, like you take that into the season, like like we need you kind of thing. And I said I said, I know, like I know it's not, I can't change what's happening in it. Like I come in every day. I train how I train every day. I train at, at, at the best that I can. I'm with the boys. Like I'm not like a negative person towards the team or in training or anything of such. Like, so if I go, then I'll go. Like I what the manager once. Like, if not, like I'm comfortable to stay. Like, cause I know even if I stay, I'm going to play. And, um, it's not like oh, like oh, I'm just saying that because it's like oh, a big-headed thing to say, but I believe in my ability enough to say if I'm here, I'm, I'm gonna play. And luckily, I carried on even with when I was just like part of the reserve team playing like the games in pre-season. Like even like whether it's against like Melksham or we played Birmingham, I was just like hey, I'm gonna be the as best as I can anyway because that's my mentality when it comes to football. I want to be the best and. To, to, to be the best, obviously you have to apply yourself. So training wise, I just carried on as as I would. Um, like my, the relationship, with obviously the manager and a few of the staff. Like I I probably didn't speak to them as much as what I normally would. But um like that that that's like been dealt with like throughout the season. Like, everyone's back on good good terms and whatnot. But um yeah like it was just okay. You you don't want me. I'm gonna prove to you you need me. And not just, like, you need me, like, as, like, an individual, but, like, for the team and for for myself, like, I need the team. Yeah. It, when it comes, it's not just one player. Like, I need the team to be, to, to do well. I need the team on my side. And I think that's one thing that was massive. Like, the, the boys, they stuck by me kind of thing. They all knew, like, like get through this. Like you, you, Like, it'll be all right kind of thing. Like, you'll be a part of it for the year. So, yeah, it was, like, it was nice to know, like, the boys obviously wanted me. It wasn't like, oh, no one gave me the cold shoulder or anything like that. As soon as everyone come back from pre-season, like, from the tour, it wasn't like, oh, Keshi's, like, been been outcasted. Like Everyone come back and everything was the same. It was just obviously having to win the manager over and say, like, like just keep put me in. Yeah, that, that was the frustrating part, like, watching the boys, like, what would have been like that's the first team and i was like part of the reserves watching them playing against like obviously right they played manu 23s i was in the stands they played coventry i was in the stands and it was like i should be out there like with the boys but uh, as soon as the game finished like i was a part of the boys again it was just getting the manager to put me back in with them
0: yeah uh steve jones asks do you think richie wellins was right to not take you to pre-season tour or you know is it is it relevant now or but at the time did you think it was the right choice that you didn't go or uh
2: not like it's really relevant now but no I, 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 I believe I should have been there sure like when it comes to football like football wise everything around football like like I said like I've never been negative towards the team like or to training sessions, or to even matches like game days and stuff. So, I don't think football-wise there was any ever reason to for, to not be a part of it. Obviously, going forward, if that's not what he wanted for the season, and I was a part of his plans for the season, then obviously like his decision was to leave me back and try and get rid of me. Like fair enough, kind of thing. Obviously, that's that's football. Yeah. But um, like football-wise, and when it comes to playing, no, I don't. I don't think there was a reason to not. To not go sure
0: James Peacock says that you look like you had bulked up over the the summer in question um did that contribute to what James describes as your best season in a township? shirt nah like
2: for, throughout throughout every season like, I've had periods where I've been bigger and like slimmed down like purely based on coming of games so like when I first come to Swindon where I'd come back from my injury that pre-season when I came back from, no the season when yeah, so the season when I joined Swindon, I was actually probably similar size. And while I come into playing League Two, I got smaller because the amount of games I was playing. And then uh, the season under Phil, I think coming into pre-season again, like I was I was quite similar size. Um, I think yeah, like throughout each season, I've I've been like, bigger and then slimmer throughout the season. Same way this season, like, season I started quite, quite, quite big. Like, the coaching staff said to me, like, um, like you don't need to do, like, upper body as much, like, kind of thing. But for me, I feel better and perform better at bigger. So, like, when I got injured the second time, I'd stopped doing gym as much. And when I came back from that injury, I wasn't as big as what I was at the start. But um, I was still performing at a certain level that I thought was what I was doing before as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's massively down to the the size of me. Um, like I said, it's fluctuated pretty much the same as what it does throughout each season, depending on the games that I'm playing at the time. Obviously, if we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, off the back like two, for the whole month, I'm not going to do as much gym as what I would if we're just playing in a month where it's just Saturday, 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 Saturday. So...
0: Cool. No, I mean, I got a lot of questions about like how much do you credit Richie Wellens with your development this year, but I'm I'm not entirely sure that you're convinced it's all down to him. That a lot of this is down to the hard work that you put in yourself along with your teammates.
2: Uh, Yeah, like initially, obviously, the the manager obviously has a massive part on on that. So, um, obviously, I am a team player. So. If the team's doing obviously the team does what the manager says so our schedule and everything falls massively on the way we are um, like all together so if we're like the motivation of the boys so like you've got lads like Frenchie, Luke McCormack uh, Evan Doyle who they're like the older senior pros and they obviously set a standard that everyone then abides to kind of thing it's just that natural order like they're the eldest like you show them the utmost respect, so' was, look, how they're carrying themselves is how the rest of the team and it falls through so obviously the manager has a massive say on who he brings into that team, so he's set he's created a good um like basis for the rest of the boys to to apply to themselves
0: yeah well you know I agree with what James Peacock said about this being your best season unfortunately it's been it's been it was curtailed by by injuries but I would say that your performance against Cambridge where you scored a hat-trick is probably that one of the standout performances of the season by any of what has been a very good squad you know I've asked everybody what their highlights of the season has been and I'll ask you the same but they tend to be the same few but one what I will add to that is, given what happened in the summer, that goal on the opening day of the season at Scunthorpe must have been very satisfying. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, it was. What it was most was like, um, I feel obviously Scun Scunny away. The whole team as a whole, we all played well. Like we played a very good game. Yeah. To for like for the opening day of the season and obviously one two nil. Jerry scored as well, so it was always nice for him. Um, obviously before Owen come he was our main striker so for our main striker to start the season off with a goal as well and bring confidence to the team it was like yeah but um, for me it was like yeah I told you (laughs) (laughs)
0: Needed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you got your number 30 shirt back as well and I think I go back to what you said about what Jermaine McGrathian said what I've noticed about you this season is you definitely look like you're enjoying your football more um, that gives you the confidence that to sort of, some of your first touches I remember one of Owen Doyle's goals where you where it leads to the back heel and and, uh, and Rob Hunt with the assist those sort of moments we didn't get from you before but just you can tell by your body language that you were really getting into a rhythm this season.
2: See, uh, I'd say yeah, uh, massively it comes to enjoy. But the thing that frustrates me is um, so like I had a lot of frustration in the seasons before because I felt like I wasn't being appreciated enough in a certain sense of like as you say by the fans. Yeah. Because I remember being on. I think I had like first season. I had like six or seven assists. And I remember thinking, I should have, like, at least, like, double that. And I it, it, I was, like, very frustrated down to the point where I was, like, I'm creating chances and, like, people ain't, people ain't, people ain't putting it away. It's like, I'm getting annoyed because uh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then, we're, like, they're not scoring or... Um, like, like, like Doyle as well, it was like the ball. I didn't get the assist for Owen's goal. You know, the ball where Izzy's played it to I brought it down, yeah. back killed it. Hunt, he's laid it off and then he's scored. And it's like, you get like, people in that position, like, they'll do. Obviously, everyone does something different. Like, obviously, everyone thinks about football differently. But like, when I play, I'm like, I've done this. Like, it's there for you. Like, just score. And like you take all the plaudits, but I get what I deserve kind of thing, which is I'm me knowing like okay, I've like got an assist. Yeah. So I enjoy I enjoy getting assists, and it was like I was very frustrated because I felt like I was doing things that were going unappreciated, unappreciated by.
0: Yeah, it, it, you know, it's been a great it's been a great season. What we're going to do because we've been talking for absolutely ages is we're going to sort of talk about one last thing, and then we'll go we'll go towards the the questions. So. Yeah. Contract-wise, I mean, loads of questions. George Bishop says, "Sign the contract." That is all. Robbo Seven Ten says that his son Zach Robertson uh, is your biggest fan and wants to know if you're going to be here next season. You're going to give your nice media training response in five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> By the
2: looks of things, then yeah,
0: it's
2: looking good it's looking good we'll, we'll, we'll find out eventually <laughs> we'll find
0: out eventually we'll take that okay let's go through some questions uh so ben wills asks what would you say is your natural position now given that you started your career as a forward but your swindon tenure has mainly seen you out on the left wing or as a number 10
2: so i'll start with by saying this i cannot stand playing on the wing <laughs> i i can't say it enough left wing right wing is not for me but um, I yeah my my preferred position is the ten, obviously just behind the striker. I I enjoy that a lot because there's not so much um, defensive duty put on yourself, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it it gives me more time to obviously apply more energy and focusing on obviously like attacking, and like finding like passes. Like when 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 you're a bit tired, say coming to like the later stages of a half, and you've got a Beat two players or so and get a cross in, and when you've been putting a lot of energy into defending, it is a bit of a bloody hell. Like even like sometimes in the season, I'll be, I'll be like, I have to go over for the short corners, and like Gaffer wants us to play short, and then dribble and beat a player and get a crossing from a different angle, and there'll be times where I'm like, I'm not coming for the short corner. I'm taking. I need a minute rest. Like I'm tired, so. There is times where I'm like, only just give me give me a few minutes, and that's 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 when I've been playing on the wing, or in like the centre midfield position where I've played the last few games. But yeah, so yeah, the number ten position just based on the running, but I do enjoy playing as a eight uh, as a centre mid because I get to see the ball more, I get to create a lot more, which is massive. Like sometimes in the ten, you don't get the ball as much as what you hope. It's more moving and trying to find the space and hoping your teammates find you at the right time, sometimes it's, it's a bit hard to get on the ball.
0: Yeah. Asha asks, what have you enjoyed the most about playing in this team?
2: Uh, probably the style. I enjoy like how we have to play out from the back. I'm, I'm not a fan of this, um, just getting it forward and playing in the final third. I like, um like the gaffers created us it, uh, into motion where we, our movements very well to get on the ball. So when I have played wing like moving in and becoming a number 10, opposed to being in there already, uh even as a midfielder, like coming our midfielders move out into right back positions to receive the ball to, so that we can start plays so the rotation between the fullback and the winger and the, and the midfielder uh, the fullback tends to become the winger, the winger tends to become the midfielder, Obviously, the midfielder comes the right back, so it's it's good like rotation are
0: you are you looking to go into coaching after your careers are uh, finished? <laughs> I just see football and it's like
2: some people with maths some people with English like football is just for me it's something that comes to me like I can I think it's probably like me and the manager get on very well when it comes to like talking football so I can talk to him and tell him my ideas and obviously he's the manager we talk about formations especially with Hunty as well and um, uh, yeah football's just if you can ask me something I can learn about it and I can portray it. if I watch it, I can portray. It. So mm. it's just about I I apply football to everything.
0: Let's let's go into slightly sillier territory. So Swin84 says, which current Swindon player would you like to be stranded with, and why? So we'll say a desert island. <laughs>
2: uh, I'd say Kane. Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Always, we've we've had a few trips together, and it's, it's, there's never been a dull moment. So, think kids got ADHD or something.
0: <laughs> which Swindon player do you like a night out with for banter and drinks, and which player would you try and avoid a night with? I
2: would definitely go out with Jerry. I've had I've had a night out with him before, and he's he's a handful. I enjoy him. We get on well. So, <laughs> I say a night out with Jerry, and um, stay away from yeah. Oh. We have to want uh who has to go away from. I couldn't tell you, all the boys get on well. Yep. Even, yeah. Consistent like me and me and Will, me and Will Henry, we we'll love have a bit of a Marvel talk. So <laughs> we'll probably end up dressing up as bloody Captain America and Iron Man <laughs> or something. Yeah, uh, yeah,
0: I don't
2: know. w I, I I couldn't tell you who I wouldn't want to be with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh Tyler asks, and you're gonna have to provide some context for this. Uh are you and Kane and DJ still down to do a dance video.
2: Yeah, someone tweeted this not not long ago. Yeah, I told him. Uh, I said, if they get the video over to them too,
0: we'll we'll, we'll do our best. There you go. Uh, Tom Starr asks, what do you do to entertain yourself on the bus on those long away games? Uh,
2: we've got a little poker thing set up on so we we can play at the back. We sometimes play blackjack. If not, um, we'll just be sitting there literally just talking, vid- churn videos and rapping creating beats uh, there's all sorts that goes on on the bus
0: <laughs> yeah well the music question flows in nicely what's on the top of your playlist at the moment uh
2: probably uh gunner just bought out an album so it's a it's a like rap american yeah. american rap hip-hop gunner little baby
0: fantastic and Co asks what's been your favorite goal in a township Mm, my favourite goal will probably be
2: uh the Grimsby one the first season. Yeah where um that's probably thirty odd yards out, put it in the top corner. Or uh, last game of the season Atkinson. last year yes, against Atkinson, that, yeah. Yes. There's uh this, the 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 play of it, it was it was nice. Yeah. I think I, I beat two and then Daddy's done a lovely little back hill into my stride and then just put it top corner again. So yeah, probably that one with with, with the like style of play, how it led up to I it. I was gonna,
0: than... I was gonna say that was my favourite um that yeah, I've seen, nice. <laughs> and you're yeah, absolutely wrong foot the goalkeeper as well. He's completely yeah. done by it. Who would be in your Swindon Town five side team? Five aside, um, current players. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um,
2: Danny Rose, he does well in the five side. I enjoy him. Um, I say Bender in goal. Rosie, me, DJ. Although he never passed me on I have a side and showing, <laughs> bloody nightmare. Uh, DJ, me, Rosie, and Dion.
0: It is sad that some of these guys you're not going to be playing alongside again potentially because of their own deals move. That's what makes this end of season so rubbish, doesn't it? Yeah. Two more questions left. The first one is the the standard. What's your favourite cheese?
2: I don't really like cheese like that, but I'll say Parmesan.
0: Yeah, nothing wrong with that on a <laughs> spaghetti bolognese or pizza or something like that. Um, and the final question is from Simon Macy who says, someone signs you up for Britain's Got Talent, what are you going to do?
2: Get a tactics board up, show them how smart I am about football. There you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to you talk about your career so far and, just to end on a big thank you for for your contributions this season and hopefully we'll see you next year. Keshi, thank you very much.
2: Yeah, hopefully no worries, I think. enjoyed it. Goal.
0: The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford, and the artwork was provided expertly. By John Daglish. Thanks for listening.
2: Come on, Swindon. Come
0: on, boys.
1: For it's a
2: grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. And if you know
1: the history. It's enough to make your heart you. Oh, We oh, oh, don't care what oh. new
2: Newcastle the- says. What <laughs> the hell do we care? Cause oh, we only know that there's gonna be a show,
1: and this wind and turn will be.